As mentioned earlier, today is the first Sunday of this year 2018, and I would like to wish you all a blessed 2018. And may you and your family and loved ones experience God's wonderful grace throughout the entire year. I believe that out of 66 books in the Bible, the most famous or well-known is Jonah. Many people, Christians and non-Christian alike, have learned about the story of Jonah through Sunday school, or comic books, uh, cartoons, toys, movies. Talking about movies. Oh, you see it. <laughs> I remembered about 15 years ago, you know, when my children, they were relatively young, and uh, when the story of Jonah was made into vegetal movies. And you know what? It's the first feature-length film in the VeggieTales series. Let's make a quick summary of the book of Jonah. Jonah was commanded by God to go to Nineveh, the capital of Assyria, to preach the message of repentance. Nineveh, with a population of about 600,000, was situated in what is today northern Iraq. Well, Jonah doesn't want to go to Nineveh. Instead of traveling uh, east, and then uh, he, what did he do? He hopped on a boat and headed west for, for Tarshish in southern Spain. And uh, at that time, that place, southern Spain or Tarshish, the farthest known earthly point a person could travel at that time. During his trip to Tarshish, Jonah was thrown overboard into a raging sea by the sailors and then swallowed by a great fish. Later from inside the belly of the fish, Jonah spent three days and three nights praying to God for help as he was sinking into the depths of the grave. God answered his prayer and he commanded the fish to vomit Jonah onto dry land. And then a second time, and this second time, Jonah obeyed God's command and went to Nineveh to preach the message of repentance to the, uh, the Ninevites, saying that if they did not repent, God would overthrow the city. Upon hearing that, the Ninevites believed God. The king of Nineveh declared a fast, and all of them, from the greatest to now, the least, uh, put on sackcloth and asked God for mercy. Because of their repentance, God changed his mind and did not destroy Nineveh. Jonah ought to be happy. You would think that he would be happy about the outcome, that he had preached a good message and caused the Ninevites to repent. However, he was not. Instead, he was mad at God for changing his mind, for not destroying the city. God then scolded Jonah and wanted Jonah to understand that his love is for the whole world. If anyone repented, turn away from sin and seek him, he will have mercy on them. And this is the summary of Jonah's story, which happened some 2,800 years ago. However, the lesson or the truth still applies today. If anyone 
even when you are not Christian, you are not believers yet, if you turn from sin, and then you could repent before God and receive forgiveness and also love from God. Although the book of Jonah is only four chapters, uh, 48 verses long, there are many major themes in the book. And this morning, we'll focus on disobedience. Jonah's disobedience, it sounds pretty, it sounds negative, right? From this negative theme, we'll learn. We'll learn to serve God wholeheartedly. That is, to serve God with a completely and sincerely devoted heart, which is marked by complete earnest commitment, free from all reserve or hesitation. Dear brothers and sisters, why do we exist? Why does our church exist? The answer is we exist really to glorify God. And one way to glorify God is to show our love to others by our deeds. There are so much to do in our community that the, the pastoral staff, we decided to extend, to keep the 2017 uh, year theme for also this year, 2018. And that is, love our community, win souls for Christ. And we encourage all of you to live out love. And I want to take this opportunity to thank all of you, the church body, for your faithful service and witness throughout 2017. God has given us different spiritual gifts. And I'm so blessed, you know, we're also for, so fortunate to be here to witness all this, to witness the gifts in action. Praise God. And then for 2018, let us continue to consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, good works. May we commit to unleash that, that uh, our works may be seen by all those around us and eventually that God's glory is unleashed and be shown and be seen. If we want to do all that, we need to continue to serve God wholeheartedly. Although Jonah, he was a servant of God, he seemed determined to follow his own path by choosing to disobey and run away from God. I can see three major elements that have caused him not to serve God wholeheartedly. Through this, we can learn valuable lesson from the negative examples set by Jonah. And I want to thank Grace earlier reading today's scripture, Jonah chapter 1, 1 to 3, and also chapter 3, 1 to 10 earlier, providing some background of the story. What is the first element that caused Jonah not to serve wholeheartedly? Prejudice. Prejudice. Wholehearted serving displays no, no prejudice. The reason why Jonah refused to go to Nineveh the first time is because he displayed prejudice against the Ninevites or the Assyrians. He does not like them because they're Syrians, they're Gentiles, they're enemies, they worship idols, 
Not only that, the Assyrian, the Assyrian kings, they boast of their own cruelty, such as stripping the skins of the enemies and then hanging them, hanging the skin on the city walls, and that's cruel. Jonah thought he had a very good reason for not submitting to the will of God. His prejudice caused him to head the opposite direction to Tarshish, fleeing from God. Jonah can run, but he can't hide. God disciplined him. Let's take a look at chapter 1. Sorry, you have to have good eyesight to see all this. If not, you can listen. I'm going to read it out. Chapter 1, verses 49, and then verse 12 as well. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship threatened to break up. Then the mariners were afraid, and each cried out to his God, and they hurled the, car hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and had laid down and was fast asleep. So the captain came and said to him, What do you mean, you sleeper? Arise, call out to your God. Perhaps the God will give a, th a thought to us that we may not perish. And they said to one another, Come, let us cast lots, that we may know who, on whose account this evil has come upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, Tell us, on whose account this evil has come upon us? What is your occupation? And where do you come from? What is your country? And of what people are you? And he said to them, I'm a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Pick me up and hurl me into the sea. Then the sea will quiet down for you. For I know it is because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. The passage emphasizes God's sovereignty over nature. He sent the wind and caused the sea to heave. It is the Gentile sailors, the, the, the pagans, who feared and are praying while Jonah, the man of God, suppose that the man of God is complacently sleeping below. The sailors were praying to the wrong gods but they were convinced by the event at sea. Jonah's lack of reaction, and his lack of reaction is significant. You see, sin hardens the heart and makes us insensitive. And here we see Jonah is insensitive to God, to what God is doing. And we see that the, the first of many contrasts between the pagan Gentiles and Jonah. Jonah is insensitive, but the Gentiles are aware that something out of the ordinary is going, is going on, and they're praying to their gods, of course, the wrong gods. Jonah's statement in chapter 1, verse 9, it reads, I am a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord of God, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. And this is exact opposite of what his actions show. 
He does not fear God. If he did, he would have obeyed God's command the first time, and at least been praying because of the storm. Well, more discipline from God. Let's take a look at verse 17 of the same chapter. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. God is not through with Jonah. Now God is sending Jonah down to the depths of the grave. And the King James Version calls it the belly of hell. What can we learn from this? Jonah's personal prejudice has caused him not to obey God. What about us? What about us? Do we commit the same transgression as Jonah's? Do we allow our own prejudice to hinder us or even stop us from doing a certain ministry that God wants you, wants me to do? If God wants you to go preach the gospel, bring the gospel to Kim, Jong, Kim Jong-un, or go to the Putin, or people you don't like, or people you don't think deserve to be saved, would you do it? Would you? Dear brothers and sisters, God loves the world. He has mercy on sinners. And mercy is the exercise of benevolence where no previous obligation exists. God has mercy on us sinners who have no natural, no natural claim upon his kindness. We're most insignificant, most unworthy, and most aggravating offenders against God's righteous laws. But yet, God has mercy on us. Praise him. So brother and sister, let us serve him and serve him wholeheartedly. Serve him without prejudice. The second element that caused Jonah not to be submissive to God's command is reluctance. Wholehearted serving shows no reluctance. Chapter 2 tells us that when Jonah was in the belly of the fish, he prayed to God. Jonah finally prays and thanks God God for his deliverance, even before he is delivered. This shows that he is convinced God answers prayer. You may think that at this point, Jonah has repented, truly repented, especially since he later would go and preach to the Ninevites. Is that really the case? Well, let's look at his prayer. Nowhere in his prayer did he mention his own rebellion and sin. So there is no real confession going on here. He considered himself better, better than the pagans. Chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake the hope of steadfast love. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. We'll see by Jonah's actions later on in chapter 4 that he didn't really repent. 
Regardless Jonah's repentance is genuine or not, God gave him the second chance. Let's look at chapter 3, verses 3 and 4. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh, according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days' journey in breadth. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey, and he called out, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. At that time, Nineveh was a very important city. It's a big city. And the visit required three days. And the circumference of the city and its neighboring cities can reach like 90 kilometers or 56 miles. On the first day, Jonah started into the city. He proclaimed, 40 more days and Nineveh will be overturned. This time, Jonah obeys. It seems that there was no complaint. God had gotten Jonah's attention. Jonah's message is very simple. In 40 days, Nineveh will be destroyed. However, there wasn't a lot of persuasion taking place. Jonah would have gone into the town, made his statement, and left saying something like this. Well, I already told them. It's their own fault now when God destroys them. I think this also shows that Jonah has not really changed his attitude. It seems to me that he is obeying, but reluctantly in doing so. What do we learn from this? Again, we need to ask ourselves, do we show the same reluctance as Jonas? If that's the case, really, when we serve God reluctantly, there's really no joy within us. But then, joy should be there when we serve God. And the longer we serve our God, the sweeter God grows. Just like this hymn, written by William Gaither. If you know it, sing the cross with me. The longer I serve him, the sweeter he grows. The more that I love him, more love he bestows. Each day it is like heaven, my heart overflows. The longer I serve him, the sweeter he grows. This is an amazing song. We should be like that. When we serve God, that we should have this joy within us. But we serve Him reluctantly. Uh-uh. I don't think you truly can have this joy within you. If you serve Him reluctantly, unwillingly, it is my prayer that you would go before God and ask Him to change you. Ask the Spirit of our living God to fall afresh on you, break you, melt you, mold you, and fill you with the Holy Spirit, and then use you. May we serve God willingly, and may we serve Him joyfully. 
What is the third element that caused Jonah not to be submissive to God's command? Complain, complain. Wholehearted serving has no complaint. Let's look at chapter three, verses five to ten. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth, from the greatest of them to the least of them. The word reached the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. And he issued a proclamation and published through Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, let neither man nor beast, herb nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth, sackcloth, and let them call out mightily to God. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who knows? God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger. So that we may not perish. When God saw what they did, how they turned from the evil way, God relented of the disaster that He had said He would do to them, and He did not do it. When the Ninevites gave up their evil ways and repented, God did not bring destruction upon the city. Jonah ought to be happy, ought to kind of pat himself on the back. For job well done, mission completed. But no, uh-uh. It's the other way around. He's very upset, and it is great complaints for God, great complaints toward God. In chapter four, the verses one to four, but it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, "O、oh、Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? This is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish, for I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and relenting from disaster. Therefore, now, O、oh、Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live." And the Lord said. Do you do well to be angry, or is it right for you to be angry? Jonah is furious when he sees the people's repentance. He knows that God is not going to destroy them. Here we also see what is really in his heart, and further proof that he did not repent. The truth comes out about Jonah's、uh, Jonah's、uh, fleeing from God. In the beginning, he knew God would forgive them if they repented. But Jonah hated the Assyrians so much he didn't want even give them the chance to repent. He complains to God, "Why should I go and preach? You are just going to forgive them anyway. Why did you make me go through all this trouble, all this for nothing? You might as well just..." Kill me. Then what did Jonah do afterward? Let's continue reading, chapter five.、Uh, chap- I mean the same chapter, chapter four, verses five to eleven. 
Jonah went out to this of the city and sat to the east of the city and made a booth for himself there. He sat under it in the shade till he should see what would become of the city. Now the Lord God appointed a plant and made it come up over Jonah, and it might be a shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. For Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant. But when when dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant so that, that it withered. When the sun rose, God appointed a scorching east wind, and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint. And he asked what he might die, asked that he might die, and said, It is better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, Do you do well to be angry for the plant? And he said, Yes, I do well to be angry, angry enough to die. And the Lord said, You pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being in a night and perished in a, in a night. And should not I pity Nineveh, the great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left, and also much cattle? God's question brings, to the, point, brings the point home. If Jonah is so upset about the death of a plant, which he did not even plant, how much more should God be concerned about the death of human beings created in his image? Jonah is blindfolded by his personal selfishness or his self-centeredness. He could not see the need of others and he could not see God's sovereignty. As a result, he complained. It is my prayer that all of us who are believers would humble ourselves and wait for the Lord to exalt us, to follow Jesus rather than to seek a position, to give up our personal right to find greatness in service to others, and to take up Jesus' towel of servanthood to meet the needs of others. In conclusion, Jonah's story does not seem to have an ending to it, does it? The last verse of the book of Jonah is verse uh, 11 of chapter 4. And it reads, And should not I pity Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left? and also much cattle? This is it. This is not much of an ending. In a way, Jonah's story is also your story and also my story. It is our story. And we need to help putting an end to it. What would you be doing? How would you end the story? Let me ask you, do you have a city of Nineveh or a community inside of you, this Nineveh inside of you? Within the city, there's, there are people you don't like, the people you don't care for, that you care less about. But remember, Jesus said to you, 
Go and preach the gospel to them. Go and care for them. Go and reconcile and make up with them. How would you respond to God? I pray that the city of Nineveh, that the, the Nineveh within you, will soon turn into a great love community. You go out and love people. You serve people, regardless of the races, regardless who they are, regardless of the background. How rich they are, how poor they are, how clean or how dirty they are. First Samuel chapter fifteen, verse twenty-two says, "Has the Lord as great has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to listen than the fat of rams." So, dear brothers and sisters, let us not just serve the Lord, but may we serve Him wholeheartedly. Serve our community without prejudice, without reluctance, without complaint. Let us pray. Dear brothers and sisters. Do you have a city of Nineveh within you that is filled with prejudice, reluctance, and complaints? You know that these three elements have caused you not to faithfully or wholeheartedly serve our God. You know what God wants you to do. God has given you many good spiritual gifts. I pray and I encourage you. If you have not already done so, to use the gifts to serve Him through serving the church, through serving our community, our dear Heavenly Father, we praise You and thank You for You are always there for us. We pray that You would help us to remove any prejudice, reluctance, and complaint that we may have while serving You, and help us to submit ourselves and all that we can be. To serve you submissively, to serve you wholeheartedly, in Jesus' name, we pray. Amen.